This episode is a talk taken from Love Inbound 2019. If you want to register for Love Inbound 2020, head to loveinboundevent.com. So, as Mark mentioned, my name's Caroline. I'm Solutions Manager at Digital 22. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce Christian Kinnear, the MD of HubSpot EMEA. So, let's give him a good American welcome. I was doing a bit of research over the, uh, over the weekend, because this is quite new to me. I'm going out of my comfort zone, as, as Luke was saying earlier. <laughs> so one of the things I was looking was for top tips, really, how to start a great fireside chat. And mm. um, one of the things they said, it was from the MD of Vidyard, and he said, well, do a quick fire question round to get to know the speaker a little bit better. Cool. So I thought, well, let's, let's try and give it a whirl. Let's yeah. see how we go. Um, so bear with me, everyone. <laughs> okay, so tea or coffee? Oh, coffee. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Rugby or football? Oh, a touchy subject. <laughs> All about I'm, the Six I'm Nations. Irish. Anyone who follows rugby, we're not doing too well at the moment. I think Caroline knows that. It was a great um, game the other day. Rugby, <laughs> rugby. Yes, rugby. Thank you. Rugby. Yeah, thanks for bringing okay. it up. <laughs> Guinness or lager? Oh, Guinness, yeah. Yep. What's it's lager? <laughs> Very good. Right. There's plenty downstairs, which okay. will uh, always go on. All right. Um, Ferrari or Bentley? Ooh, uh, Ferrari, yeah. Nice yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Salesforce or HubSpot? Oh, hey. <laughs> is this being filmed? Is this on camera? Um, actually, I would, I'd say HubSpot or other companies, if, uh, if you don't mind me to change no, your guide. And I'll, I'll give you the honest answer. I, I actually have a lot of admiration for Salesforce. I love HubSpot. That's, you know, I'm biased. Um, I think Salesforce do great stuff. Um, I think they've got great people. So I think. Um, HubSpot and rest of world, I'll pick HubSpot, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, that's that right? great. So cool. on that note, let's, let's talk a little bit more about HubSpot. Yep. So it'd be great for you to give everyone in the room a quick overview of, of your role and the, the, the part you play in, in HubSpot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for the invite first before, uh, before we get started. And speaking of comfort zones, um, talk about making an Irishman comfortable, give him a bar stool to sit on. <laughs> it's like, it's genius, whoever thought of that, that's brilliant. Um, so yeah, my role in HubSpot, um, I'm, I'm with, the, with HubSpot since 2015, excuse me, uh, so a little over three and a half or so years, and I joined as head of sales. So uh, Dublin is the first location outside the US, HubSpot's HQ'd out of uh, the city of Cambridge, which is just beside Boston, so we talk Boston, I guess. Um, and Dublin was the first location outside, of, outside the US. Uh, it was set up by my boss, um, who established a team there, and then was running for a number of years, since about 2012, 13, till 15. Uh, and I was brought in to take over the sales piece. So I run both the direct sales team, we have people who are selling directly to, to customers, and the partner channel sales team that works with agencies like Digital 22. So I run that sales piece, and um, a few months in, he said, things are going great. Uh, at some point in the future, we'll talk about next steps. I thought, great, super. And then a week later, he said, actually, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, to go to Singapore to, to run an office down there. Um, here's the keys to the office. You're now in charge as MD of the business as well. It's like, wow, cool. Like, say, an exciting and scary promotion or uh, additional responsibility. So I do both of those still. I wear both hats. I head up sales and I'm overall uh, MD or, or GM of our business for EMEA. Okay. And what would you say is a, your proudest moment to date so far at HubSpot in these, this role? Yeah, uh, I... I guess there's, there's two um, or there's two ways of looking at it. One is the, 
the company being proud and then of, of me and, and something a bit close to me in, in the business. Um, I think as a company, um, the reason I joined at the start was people talked earlier on about the, the mission, the, the kind of the purpose of what you do and, and why it's exciting. And I, I was on that side of the stage for most of my career. I was uh, heading up sales teams, demand gen teams, working with marketing folks. And I was, I was doing the same thing. I was banging my head off a wall trying to grow a business, trying to find better ways with reducing budget to spend and bigger targets and trying to, that whole kind of dynamic of being stretched and trying to find a way. Um, found it hard, it was just, it's a hard slog to try and, try and grow a business um, in a competitive world. And I was approached by HubSpot, I, I found HubSpot through my, my own search and that's, that's, what, that's what we do. We have a lot of content out there and I thought, oh, this is really interesting stuff, interesting brand. Um, when HubSpot contacted me, I, I thought about it for a while and I thought I could stay where I am and I was in Google at the time, I was running a, a bit of the business for Google for EMEA and APAC. I said I could stay where I am and fix the, the, the internal Google problem, how to grow Google's business or I could go to the side and try and fix it for everybody or try and fix it globally and try and be part of that bigger solution to solve growth for companies everywhere. And I think the proud point, I think we're doing it. We're still early days. It's still very, very early stages, but um, we've got like tens of thousands of customers, hundreds of thousands of free users who are taking advantage of a bunch of stuff. So I think people are enjoying it. I think people are, are getting some value out of it. Um, I'm very, very proud that we're, we're helping um, loads more to do, I think, is important. Um, so that's the business one, and the, the slightly more personal uh, within the business context. Um, we, we've grown as well from, I joined as 120 people, I think it was, um, back in 2015. We've now got two locations, Dublin and Berlin, and we're about 670, 680 people in three years, which is like, it's kind of hyper growth, it's like explosive growth. And the thing that uh, myself and my team and the managers and leaders, we, we all have a similar strain of DNA. We all like to think ourselves as servant leaders, people who just, we don't individually actually create any value. I, I try not to say that to our CEO too often that I don't actually add value, um, but, but we don't. Like it's the, it's the customer facing folks, it's the marketers who find people, it's the sales people, it's the service and support people who actually generate the dollars and the customers and the value and the keep the customers happy and all that good stuff. So. My role is to facilitate, just create a good environment for that to happen and people to enjoy it and uh, us to be uh, well regarded. People want to join us and stay with us and do more things. And I think me with some of the other leaders, I think I'm, I'm really proud we've done a good job of that as well, of, of creating that environment too. So. No, fantastic. And something which we've obviously experienced the same level of growth as an agency and we're constantly learning. But do you feel that there's, there's anything you do differently that you've uh, along the way really? Yeah, since joined HubSpot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I do. Um, I I think probably the the biggest one was, um, and this is it's a nice problem to have. There was too many things that I could do or get involved in or focus on. So, the, the all the markets we have, all the industries and segments and size and the, the the products we could launch, the things we could do. There's almost too many things, and I I think I did at the start. I think I want to do everything. It's all exciting, it's all interesting, and there's so many things we could do, and I, I tried to spin 100 plates at once, which is just the nature of sometimes when you get uh, an opportunity that's diverse and lots of things you could do, you get excited by it. So um, I think I did that at the beginning, um, and quite quickly, life then smacks you on the wrist and says, you're not gonna be able to do 100 things at once. Um, and what I had a conversation with our head of sales, um, at one point along this journey in the early, early stages and two things happened. He talked to me and then Brian, our CEO, talked to me about something. Um, Brian said something, uh, he said, startups and scale-ups, 
rarely die from starvation, they choke from overeating. I thought, oh, yeah, that's actually a really interesting point because that's true. You try and do everything, you try and swallow it all in one go, you try and bite off more you can chew, you do too many things and everything just fails or you, you, you seize up. Um, and our uh, chief revenue officer, uh, another guy, talked about the, this is not a business that grow at any cost. And I thought that was, I was really surprised at first, thought, surely it is growing at any cost. Don't we want to just grow like, like as fast as you can and just go, go, go? Isn't that the idea? And he said, no, you want to, you want to grow in a way that's, that's this can't we grow better. We talked about this internally a bunch. We, we talk about it externally too. Um, it's growing the right way and grow in kind of a thoughtful way or a, a way that you, you want to make sure to a bunch of the speakers earlier that you don't, you don't leave your customers behind. You don't uh, stretch a product too far that it actually doesn't work anymore. You don't kind of let your service levels drop off. You, like you can't just go too fast. So um, that idea of me saying, okay, I was going to try and do 100 things, said don't, just do, do a certain like focus and we'll help you kind of prioritize, which is really useful. So I, yeah, I, I probably, if I'd known now, then what I know now, I would have started that way out. So I, I, I burnt a few calories in trying to, to do too many things uh, too quickly, I suppose. Yeah, yeah no, I can uh, agree with you on that side. And I think that's why, like Robbie mentioned earlier, we, we grew rapidly the first half of last year. And yeah. I think that's completely resonate. That's why we had to, to stop selling oh, for a small, yeah. small space of time. Yeah. Um, so if we look at the HubSpot platform a little bit more, then obviously they're... The platform's changed massively in the mm. last few years. They're, they're keeping us on our toes yeah. with all the changes and yeah. the investment they have in the, the R&D. Yeah. What would you feel is, is really the biggest development within the platform during that time? Um, you, you're probably noticing a trend. You ask me for a thing and I give you five, but I'll, I'll, I'll take the liberty if you don't mind yeah, a little definitely. bit. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a... There's, there's a bunch of stuff, it's kind of back to the same point of a moment ago, but there's, there's the unsexy stuff that's actually like just really, really important. And by that I mean, you can have a product that has new features and bells, whistles and, and very cool, fun stuff, but if, it, if it, the reliability is poor, if it falls over, it's, the availability is not there, if it's not secure, I, as a user, you just tear your hair out. So you have to keep that in mind, that was to kind of to grow better and make sure you're growing in the right way. So we've done tons and tons that uh, you'll never see the light of day of just availability and, and stability of product and all those things so we can continue to scale with all these uh, the extra customers you have coming on. So we've done a ton of that that's behind the scenes stuff. Um, I think on the front end, which is probably more to your question, um, I think the stuff that's, that's really interesting, some of the AI stuff. So we, um, Motion AI was an acquisition we, we made uh, a few years ago. Uh, started to play with bots and, and some algorithmic work around lead scoring and understanding behaviors and signals and things within the product. So we've I think it plays well to some of the stuff that was talked earlier of buyers want to buy whenever, whenever, however they want, and they will continue to do so. They're not going to follow that linear path um, that, that, that we talked about earlier. Like They just won't do it, and that, nor should they. So you want some way of allowing people just to interact with your business, your product, whatever it is, your, your content, and, and, and uh, whatever that, that might look like, and do whatever you want whenever. We'll just leave you to it, and you go play and do whatever you want. And then we'll be able to understand what to offer you next to help you along the journey at the right moment so you get exactly the right stuff. And I think some of those uh, AI plays are, are really, really interesting. Um, those are going to be fun to continue to evolve and develop. Um, the last bit, I think, of, of, and this is a little bit of an inside-out question, the, um, the decision to, to make our products free, make our CRM free, was a huge, huge one. And um, again, without giving away a lot of uh, inside conversations, but there was a big conversation at the time of uh, we think we could and should build a CRM, and the conversation was, well, how much would we charge? And there was a whole bunch of debate, 
And then one of our very senior execs said, we should just give it away for free. And everybody went, what? That's <laughs> like, get out. That's like, it's not a great answer. And they, they kicked around and went, actually, that's a really, really good idea. And it, it plays a bit to the, the idea that not just for now, like how do you make revenue now or this year or next or three or five years, but like what's the overall vision for, for what we're trying to do? And, and it's now, I mean, again, we've talked about this a bit openly, is that CRM is like the foundation rock of it. So we want everyone to have it and be access to it and, and use it. It's a, it's a really good CRM and it's completely free. Um, and if you want to use that as your system of record, that's cool. It'd be great to host your contacts there. Um, if you want to fill it with more, you put Marketing Hub on top. Uh, if you have enough, you don't need Marketing Hub, that's totally fine. If you want to turn those contacts into customers, use our sales hub, again, that's great. And if you have customers, use our service hub or use all three and, and pick and choose and, and plug and play. So um, that idea of saying we want the, the CRM just be, be something that everybody uses and that's the literally hundreds of thousands of users we have now globally who are like taking advantage of a cool product and if or when in the future they say, uh, I'd like to add something to it. That would be awesome. That would be great. Um, if they don't, totally fine. But that's, uh, I think that was a really interesting pivot in our, in our history, the product point of view. Excellent. And then looking at the, the future, that, mm. what, what really are you excited about in the next six months with the product? Oh, uh, I think product-wise, specifically, I think we're doing this... Um, We've, in the last, what's a very short amount of time, we've done this east-west move. So the, the idea that we originally started as a marketing product, uh, we then expanded sideways to add on the sales product and the service product. We, we've done that. Um, there may be more. We're thinking of what else might be interesting on that, in that kind of uh, east-west side of things. Um, and then north-south is a bit, we've invested a bunch. So um, the kind of the, the enterprise product, the top and pro, and down into the starter and free products, so the, the north-south. So we've expanded out a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, I think the, the enterprise piece is kind of a funny one. It's a little bit of an anomaly, I guess, in that um, we, we're not aiming to sell as a true enterprise player in an enterprise space. SMB is still the kind of heart and soul of what we do. We can, we can go up into lower corporate, mid-corporate. We can go up to whatever size. The, the idea of the enterprise product was really just that mid-market and mid-sized companies now are getting super sophisticated. They're getting really very good at... Um, extending themselves internationally, globally, doing a bunch more with less. And we were very conscious that if we didn't develop our product at the top end, people might outgrow it and go, cool, your product was great, got me from A to B, but if I want to keep going, you guys, you're, you don't have the functionality that I need for uh, multi-language, multi-currency, for whatever those different variations might be. So we, we're keen to build it out. So we're, we're building that, and that's coming. Um, Marketing Hub is getting stronger and better. We've, we've been investing a bunch there. Uh, sales Enterprise too and, and Service Enterprise uh, is still early stages. So from a product point of view, those are um, probably the interesting ones. On the, um, the other question that I'm, I'm answering, which wasn't part of your question, was the, the other stuff uh, that's, that's coming. And it, it's a big year for us. We've got, um, I think from a business point of view, we're launching a Paris office as well uh, in a few months. So uh, that'll be our third office in Europe, which is cool. And... That's really challenging because we're now fragmenting ourselves a bit. And the bit I said I was proud of was keeping the culture and keeping the, the, how we run the business uh, in a healthy place and in a, in a good way. Uh, we put in Berlin, which we've managed, and that's gone really well, and now Paris, and then maybe plus plus, and we have to see what they are. But uh, those are all going to be, be interesting things to, to try and figure out. Um, and last one was Robbie um, mentioned about the um, self-reflection of how well you manage customers. We're asking customers for feedback and a whole bunch of things there. Uh, we have a 
if you haven't heard of it, the HubSpot customer code is something uh, I'd love you to go and Google and find and share and have a look at. Um, the idea of the customer code was uh, Darmesh, who um, Robbie talked to one of our co-founders, um, who is a, a very deep and really, really interesting thinker. He's a technical guy who also created our culture code and a bunch of other stuff. So he's just a phenomenal uh, mind of a person. He, he came up with the concept of customer code being what's wrong with how customers are treated today in a more general sense. And he's come up with a whole bunch of things he thinks are, are just areas to look at for your business and say, how do you, uh, one was like, don't block the exit. So if you've got customers and it's harder for them to leave you than join you, that sucks as a customer. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Take a look at that and see, can you make it as easy for them to leave as it is for them to join? Um, and he's, he's a whole bunch of these, these thought pieces he's put together. And it's a work in progress, as these things usually are. Um, we did it for ourselves and we scored, I think, seven point something out of 10 which was okay, but not great. Like that's, we, and we're honest, we've published this out there. You can see where we, where we scored ourselves and how we scored it. Because um, we know there's loads of things that some stuff we're, we think we're doing pretty well and others we're like, we just aren't good enough yet. And what will happen, of course, is if we think we're getting towards an eight or nine, customer expectations will rise and everything will go up again and we'll have to step up another gear. But um, this is the year of that customer code for us internally. We're, um, we're very conscious that if we're going to advocate for this stuff and say, champion for the customer that we have to lead the way. We have to do it ourselves. And uh, we've got a bunch of things this year, which I think are going to be really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So Exciting times. Yeah. Yep. No, brilliant. And then when it comes to obviously helping people get the most out of the platform, what would you say from your experience is the role of the agencies and partners out there to help, help the end user? Yeah, it's huge. It is really huge. Um, I think our... A bit back to the same point as earlier, maybe the, the sophistication of the user, of the, um, of the buyer owner user in that framework is far more sophisticated now than ever it was. Um, we've got, I think, a really interesting case now. We're never going to be the very niche, every single use case, every single industry case, every single uh, setup that you need. We're not going to be the one to do that. We just can't. And it doesn't make any sense for us to do it. So. Um, if you have a specific either industry or use case or um, something you're trying to solve, like partners are 100% the solve for that stuff. And that's purely because partners have done it before. There's usually a combination of experience in those very niche areas and say, we know exactly who's done that before. Somebody's very specialized. Digital 22 have done this a whole bunch of times. They're 10 times better than us at it. You'll get on, just go and do it with them. It's going to work a ton better. Um, so that bit is really important. I think there's... Um, there's still, and uh, Luke talked about the human part of this, there's like this big human part of, I just want to sit down with somebody, have a coffee and talk about my business and figure it out and chat about it. Like I, I don't know yet all the answers and I'm not even sure of all the questions. So can I just sit with somebody who, who can listen to me and talk me through and, and, and get that kind of human piece of it? And that's, that's vitally important and it'll continue. That's never, it's never going to go away. Um, so partners doing that as well. Um, I think there's, there's a bunch of wraps around it as well. The, um, like you think of the, the product and software sits in the middle, but there's a bunch of, of transformation management, change management. There's like the tons of emotive stuff is saying, we're going to move from old to new or from bad to good or whatever that might be. Um, who's going to hold your hand? Who's going to talk you down off the ledge or tell you it's going to be okay? Or who's going to like figure that stuff out and help you bring your people with you? Well, that's, that's where partners come in. So it's, it's that on-site piece and the, the human connection for sure. 
Yeah, I think that's one thing we always say to everyone. We've, we've been there, we've done it, we've made the mistakes, yep. we've learnt from it, and we can pass it on to you're, our clients. You're counselors. Yeah, that's it, very much, yeah, <laughs> yeah very, very much. Yeah. Everyone hold each other's hand. Yeah. Um, so I won't grill you too long. Um, right. One final question. Obviously, you've been over this morning to the new office. Oh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts? I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. It's, um, it's a real statement. Like, I walked in, it's a wow moment, and, and I, I think because we're... That it like completely resonates with me because I'm doing a bit of this in my role where we are and the, the office and the space is like a statement of intent that you guys are really, really serious and you've got a big, bright future ahead. Like the, you have a lot of desks, not all of them are filled yet, so there's more growth and you, you have an ambition to fill that space and maybe even more beyond that, who knows. But, but that space is um, it's, it's a very modern, very slick, very professional, well-run, it looks all very, very super sophisticated and modern, which, again, is, is a telltale sign of a business that's serious about what they're doing, that quality is important. Um, you want to invest correctly and properly in the right things, and what better than your people, the environment, to help them do the right stuff. So the, the space is phenomenal. Um, it looks like a great big party room at the back. I can't wait to see the photos. I won't be there for it myself later, but, but it looks fab. Congratulations. It looks really cool. Oh, thank you very much. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And from sure. myself and the team at Digital 22, thank you so much for, for taking the time to come today and yeah, uh, appreciate how busy you are as well. So of course. My thank pleasure. you very much. So just open to the floor now. Is, is there any other questions that you have for Christian? Or if not, we'll, we'll go and have lunch. Nope. Perfect. Just look um, at the oh, also, sorry, Luke. Hi there. Um, a question on leadership, really. So you made a great point, which you hear um, great leaders talk about, that they're not actually giving value to the customer. Their role is to inspire and empower. Mm. And Robbie talked a lot about empowerment earlier. What's your strategy with growing so quick to still have the time to give people your time to help them become part of the growing culture? What's your personal leadership style and has that evolved I was going to say the older you've got, but I didn't mean that. Like, like the more, ex the more experience you've got, have you evolved as a leader? Yeah, I think, um, I think the big thing that happens somewhere on your journey is, and it, it might be a moment of failure, it might just be a realisation, but where the, you, not just the penny drops, but this piano falls in and says, you can't do this yourself, you just can't. And if you try, it's just going to be a car crash. And uh, I spoke to somebody just a couple of days ago with this, that... Um, I had what can only be described as an intervention back in a previous role, a couple of roles ago, um, where the team brought me in a room and said, hey, you have to stop. You're messing it all up for all of us. I'm like, what? And they, they talked that I was, I was trying to do everything. I was trying to still be involved in everything, touch everything, do it all, do all the heavy lifting. And they said two things happened. One is you, you can't get to everything, so it's not working. And secondly, it's really upsetting for us that you don't trust any of us to do any of this stuff. Like, you just clearly you're saying you're the only one who can do it. And you won't delegate and you won't, won't allow us to, to help. So we're telling you to stop. And I was like, wow. It was, a, it was a smack in the face. But it was the brilliant best smack in the face I've had. I've only had one. Um, but it was great. It was really good. And, and it does make you, in the moment, go, um, if I'm going to not mess up. And the bit that cut me the most, I was, I was trying with good intent to do the best for the people. And I was actually doing the exact opposite without even realizing it. So... I think along the way, I, I still have a, a, a bit of me. That's like that's, the reason I did that in the first place is I've got some stuff in me that says I feel guilty asking others to do my work. So I, I, I'm not like innately someone who will go, let me just get rid of all my stuff to everyone else and, and pile it on their plate because I, I feel 
but I've found mechanisms to think about, I mean, how do I check with them and see, do you want to take it on and can you? And let's agree that, that kind of situational leadership of how much this is just go and do it and don't tell me about it or check in with me or whatever. So I, I figured a couple of little mechanisms along the way that helps with it. But um, and in our business specifically, the, um, the, the thing I say to my US colleagues, they have something like a, a product launch or a change in the business and they figure it out once as a group and say for US this is how we're going to do it for me like there's a French version a UK and a German a Dutch and all the rest so like there's 10, 10 versions of that stuff all the time as to how you do it and I I don't know the French market as well as the French people surprise surprise and so on all the truth so I 100% have to, to delegate that stuff um, and I think the last part of it maybe was the the thing I've learned and changed is I used to probably do the standard management thing of delegating tasks and saying, hey, can you go and run this report? Can you do this thing? Can you make that presentation? Can you whatever? And that's kind of interesting, but actually, again, a little bit demotivating. And I flipped it to delegating objectives and saying, I need to figure out what we'll do around this area. Can you think about it and come back with some ideas? And that's much, much more interesting. I get much better ideas back than I would have had. Um, and the people themselves end up just getting a lift out of it because they're, they're stretching and growing. And they're maybe not going to come back with the perfect answer, that's completely fine, that's normal, but uh, yeah, I probably learned that along the way as well.